following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode of NFL History, Andrew and I continue our USFL month with a look at the life and career of one Steve Young. Join us as we look at his life from high school, college, pros, and beyond. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. All right, happy Friday, Andrew. That time of uh, the time of the week again. We yes. go, go look back and go go look back in time. Go look back in time. Um, and, you know, just kind of chill out. Talk about some uh, talk about some legends. It's always a good time, right? Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's kind of the uh, not what if. <laughs> it's- Pretty much. It's our, it's, uh, it's the, what our, is not the, what if, yeah, it's, this is what happened and you better like it. Not, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> let's look back and try to remember. So this is our strict parent show. And yes. what if is our creative parent show? We'll go we'll say that. <laughs> that's probably the best way to put it. That's probably the best way to put it. I do enjoy these are a nice way to kind of coast off into the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. you know, most certainly so. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're continuing on with USFL month as we established last week. Um, we got what, two more episodes of this, two, three more episodes of this. I think maybe, I don't know. Actually, I'm looking at it now that I'm looking three, at the calendar. Three. So three more on top of this up on top of this one. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Three. No kidding. So f- five Fridays. Of NFL history, that's what's up. Um, that's a lot of that's a lot of USFL players, a lot of USFL players. But uh, yeah, so I want to kick this one off uh, as far as doing individual player bios, and yeah, I wanted to go with Steve Young because uh, he is one of probably the most famous to come out of the USFL. All right, he, you know, he paved a just absolutely legendary career. It started with this this offshoot league that didn't last very long and you know finished his career hall of famer super bowl champion league mvp uh in so many other accolades he's you know offensive player of the year he's just consistent pro and you know one of the one of the most fun quarterback controversies i think he's a part of one of the most interesting and fun quarterback controversies in nfl history so I did want to pay him some justice. Uh, you know, we, I may have done a Steve Young episode like a long time ago, back when I was doing NFL history myself. But the, if if I did, I'm, and I'm forgetting it. It's because it wasn't that good. So we're going to try it again. Uh, back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah, only 700 episodes ago. The what? Uh, the 
the basement days, right? Was that basement or no? There was uh there was second there was guest bedroom days. Oh, okay. Guest bedroom days, not the basement. Um, but yeah, I you know, so I, my early days of you know NFL viewing where I wasn't like a super fan to the extent that I am today. I do remember Steve Young very relatively fondly. Um he was different in you know the way that you know your mobile quarterback it was not super popular back in the 90s uh certainly not the way it is now but uh he's also unique too because that left hand uh the left uh, he was left-handed which was you know something really neat to see but you know after steve young retired there was actually a point in time where i I forgot that the 49ers were a football team uh (laughs) for for like a little bit they had become i know jeff garcia had some good years and stuff but uh who um Who? <laughs> but yeah steve young St- yeah steve young's an absolute legend I- i'm really excited to get to talk about him today uh how about you andrew what are your earliest memories of of steve young the guy that replaced joe montana and thinking how do you do this you know joe montana was i would have to say my era's tom brady like how do you replace absolute pure greatness <clears throat> montana wasn't anything flashy compared to a marino or fouts or anything like that he just you knew he was good that's why i say he's like my era is tom brady and so here's steve young this guy that comes in and he was just always the best backup quarterback in football and it was could he ever live up to joe montana could he win a Super Bowl? Could he do this? So it was a lot of things like that. I remember mostly in the early years of not being able to beat the Cowboys. And then, you know, 94, as we get into it, they end up doing it. But he was always that one exciting kind of guy that almost got the the stigma of can't win the big one. Super great, you know, just regular season player. I think he set tons a couple of records for just you know proficient passing and everything like that but just couldn't win the big one and that's how i remember him but now i gotta say between him him and brett Favre, it's an argument over who is the best quarterback of the 90s no most certainly so that that's you know that's that that is a good one the backup quarterback point is, is is intriguing because this is probably like I said we talked about quarterback controversy, and uh, you know over the years we've seen many people they get you know we're, we're going to see it a bunch this year, uh, next year, but the successor right the successor to somebody who's been a prolific, uh, you know franchise quarterback and can they get it done and the pressures that kind of came with it. Uh, you know, the pressure that came with, with having to fill those shoes, there was, I know we're jumping ahead a little bit and we're, you know, we're not getting into his full story yet, but I, I remember watching the, the, the Montana and young, uh, I think it was a documentary. Maybe it was a 30 for 30. I can't remember if it was, but there was a, there was a little documentary about it or no, it was a football life, Steve Young's football life. I think it was. And, uh, you know, the, the San Fran wasn't ready that they didn't want to push Joe Montana out for Steve Young, right? The fan, the fans didn't, they weren't ready for it. And, 
you know, when that time finally came and, and, and whatnot, it was, it was hard. That's, I mean, it's, there's so much pressure on you as as an NFL quarterback and uh, to have that kind of in the back of your mind, the entire time, like crazy. I, I can't imagine that type of pressure. That whole situation was absolutely nuts. That was, you know, I'm, we're going to get into a more, uh, you know, Walsh's grand idea kind of. And I, that's one of the, I think that's the biggest thing that centers around Steve Young and his legacy is depending on, uh, you know, when you grew up in a way, you know, I said a while ago, and this is kind of, this is kind of how it is. I don't, I wouldn't say young is better than Montana or something, but I put a thing in the message that in my head, I know Tom Brady is better than Drew Bledsoe, but in my heart, Drew Bledsoe will always be better than Tom Brady. And I, that's in my heart. Right. Okay. When I put on my head, that's, you know, but I think that's the way a lot of people still think is young was never as good as Montana. And, you know, in some aspects, yeah, he wasn't. But if you look at them, they're two different quarterbacks, two very, and it's not just right-handed, left-handed thing. It's two very, very different quarterbacks. Correct. You know, they're play style, you know, very, very differently. Joe Montana, classic pocket passer, you know, in all the right senses. And Steve Young was a more mobile, you know, mobile-esque channel. We see that transition Often, I, I feel, you know, Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck was a little bit of a con, you know, a, a contrast of styles going in that. Where Andrew did have mobility, he wasn't mobility first, you know, quite like Steve Young, but you did have that. And it's it's hard to get used. It's it's tough to get used to. There's there's no doubt about it. And this again, this instance happens all of the time with with succession quarterbacks. Um, it's always the comparison. It's always going to go back to the comparison and, and, and what each person did. Well, you know, everybody will always hold Joe Montana up, you know, on that pedestal four and in the Super Bowl uh, in all of his Super Bowl appearances and young went to one, one, one. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things, it, you know, different coaches, you got to look at all the different stuff, but um, I hate, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan. I like it for discussion's sake. But overall, I, I think the comparing of era quarterbacks versus the eras they were in, the situation they were in, I think it's a it's a bit of a moot point. It's 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 kind of weird. Yeah, uh, it's definitely it's definitely hard to compare quarterbacks from different eras. So, but he was like you said before, kind of a trendsetter in a way where well, everybody I, is kind of looking for the new mobile or quarterback now than your classic pocket passer. Well, you know what? I, I should probably say this because they're really not that far apart. And right. Uh, Montana came out in 78 or 79, 79, 79 and, and Steve young in 84. So I, I shouldn't I, say like the different era thing, but it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of the, it's just one of those things. Yeah. And like I said, it's, you're comparing two different quarterbacks and what, and what they had, what they can do playing style and everything else, what young could bring 
Montana couldn't really do that with his legs. He could. Young looks more like a quarterback than what Montana did. So, I mean, that's all the the thing too. And Young, I, Young was, was hyped. You know, Young was a little bit more hyped coming out of college than Montana. You know, one could have been potentially first overall pick. Montana's a third round pick. But that's, you know, I think how you get ultimately got to look at it and not so much eras or anything like that. They both ran the same offense, pretty much same coaches, been around the same guys. So I think it's more or less when it comes down to it is if you're going to pick one over the other, not looking at accolades is what playing style do you prefer? Right. To what's going to happen. Do you want the creative guy or do you want the guy that's going to stand in the pocket, kind of sling it and maybe take off running every once in a while? Yeah, definitely. uh, Definitely two different play styles, but yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump on into his life story. Um, because he, you know, as his life story, it, it, it you know, it, it plays heavily into the theme this month. He was one of USFL superstars. So, uh, he was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, but uh, he eventually moved to Connecticut, where he t- uh, attended Greenwich High School there, played quarterback for the Cardinals. He was a 1978 All FCIAC West Division first team, um, in his junior year, this which was his first year as a starter. Then his senior year, he uh, was was pretty dang good as well. He do uh, he rushed for thirteen touchdowns, got those first team honors, and was on the all state team. Um, but they did a rush first type offensive style, and he only completed like forty one percent of his throws for twelve hundred twenty yards. But uh, he actually ran he, so he ran for more yards than he did pa- uh, pass for them. Nineteen twenty eight in rushing, twelve twenty for passing. So. Uh, very unique, very unique uh, style of offensive play there. And uh, let's see. Senior year, he was co-captain of football, basketball, base, uh, baseball team. So three-sport athlete. Uh, averaged 15 points a game in basketball. Baseball, he had a .384 and played center field when he wasn't pitching. So pretty good, uh, just well-rounded athlete. Guy's not, got a bright future ahead of him. Uh, in college... IT was uh, it was heavily recruited by UNC, University of North Carolina. The head coach there, Dick Crum, was enamored by. He really liked his, his running ability. He wanted to run his option offense, which you know it obviously benefits with a more mobile quarterback. However, Young uh, decided to go to BYU. And Andrew, you told me this before the air. I didn't even put this together. Um, Steve Young is actually like a descendant of the the guy behind BYU. Yeah, he's his great, great, great nephew. Great, great, great nephew. Yes, Brigham Young University, and Steve Young is is a relative, so he decided to go there. And uh, and yeah, he struggled. He struggled like any quarterback, you know, may have. Just in college, he wasn't really great at throwing the ball, and. They did not want him to play quarterback. They were actually going to try and get him to go defensive back. Yeah. The, the quarterback's coach also said, cause he doesn't that left-handed stigma, you know, right. I don't, 
I don't deal with left-handed quarterbacks. You got athleticism. Go, go over there. I don't know the mechanics of that thing because it's it's hard to coach. Very hard. It's it's hard. You're flipping your offense. Yeah. Completely, completely. Uh, and fun little story here. He was actually the backup to Jim McMahon for most of his collegiate tenure. All right. So Jim McMahon was a BYU guy. Uh, he was the starting quarterback and Steve Young, uh, you know, took, a, took over after Jim went to Chicago, went to the national football league and he, he, yeah, he, he did pretty, did pretty dang well. He stepped his game up. And uh, as far as, you know, being, you know, being a passer, his senior season, he passed for 3,902 3, yards, 33 touchdowns, and a 71.3% completion percentage, So, uh, which was an NCAA single-season record at that time. It might still be – I'm not sure if it is or not, but the fact that it was at any point is uh, pretty significant. He topped that, that senior year off with 544 rushing yards, and uh, BYU set an NCAA record by averaging 584.2 yards of total offense per game. Sweet Jesus with young averaging about 370 and a half of that with uh, between passing and rushing. So they finished 11 and one young was named a unanimous all American. And uh, he was recognized as the best collegiate quarterback in uh, this senior year the, with the Davey O'Brien national QB award, but uh, he finished second in Heisman voting behind Mike Rozier and uh, he finished his his uh, his collegiate career with a victory over Missouri in the 1983 Holiday Bowl. He got a game-winning touchdown on a pass from the halfback, so he caught one. Um, so pretty cool. He finished his collegiate career 592 pass yards or pass completions, 7,733 passing yards, 56 touchdowns, 1,048 yards rushing, and 18 rushing touchdowns. So a uh, a stellar career. He was eventually put into the hall of fame, the collegiate hall of fame in 2001. Very good career. Very good career. Very good career. Way to turn it around. That is cool though, to think about Jim McMahon and Steve young on the same team. Like, oh, wow, that's that. like isn't it? It's, it's wild. I could just see Jim McMahon just pounding down beers and with his headband, his like mullet thing, his sunglasses, and Steve Young just very by by the book, it, and it's also interesting too because right, this is like obviously a very religious, like a Christian university type thing, right? Brigham Young, right in like the heart of Mormon country, and I think it's Provo. See that and Jim McMahon just doesn't work for me. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Wasn't there like a, there were some issues with him in college too, right? I do. With Jim, so. there had to be. Even if I don't know any off the top of my head, but it it's Jim McMahon going to a religious school. There's definitely going to be something, but I think McMahon, I know one of them. Uh, I thought one of them won a national championship or they were on pace to win a national championship with BYU. Okay. Yeah. I feel like there was something there. We had, we do have to do a Jim McMahon episode. Oh yeah. He's on Twitter. He's following people like left and right. I wonder if you'd ever you'd jump on. That'd I fun. that would be that would be a treat. That would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> that's the that's the punky QB named McMahon. He's a, he, one of my friends is a big Chicago Bears fan. He 
was Jim McMahon loves like following back like big fans and, and Jim McMahon followed him back and stuff. So he's, he's, he fanboyed pretty hard for that one. I, as would I, as would I, I would, but that that's definitely a very unique situation. McMahon in the, in the quarterback room hung over and Steve young with his notebook and pen sitting up straight. And McMahon's like, easy, Stevie. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get through the day. <laughs> but and as I'm looking at the next session, this is where we did. I this is I know we did a Steve Young episode, but it was a what if. That is correct. That is correct. Oh. Yeah, we we did. If we stayed with the Bengals, that's what it was. Yep. Yep. As as we go into that, so uh, so as we go into his pro career, he was drafted uh, by the Los Angeles Ex- uh, Express in the first round, eleventh overall of the 1984 USFL draft. So he signed a huge like mega deal, right? For at that time, it's insane. It's an insane amount of money to think about in the eighties, especially when you look back, you know, we've looked at nineties player salaries guys were in, this is the middle of the eighties guys weren't making anything close to this at this time. All right. Steve Young signed a then uh, a record 10 year, $40 million contract with the squad with the express in 1984. And uh, we've talked about his annuity. It paid out over 40 years to help the fledgling team. So um, I think they eventually took him to court. He got, no, he didn't get his money. We looked it up, right? Yeah. He, I think he only got like one point. Five million dollars or something like that. Jesus, but he would it, uh, the contract was set up as an annuity, and if and he would have been getting a one million dollar check until two thousand and fourteen. Hmm. Man, I mean, how could you not though? You're coming out of college and you hear that. Yes, the owner like started throwing money at him because he was like, "Listen." I might go to the NFL. I might not. And he was telling a story. It was on, I think it was on small potatoes. Does, you know, the USFL 30 for 30. And he's like, and the guy just reached in his pocket and was like, what do you want more money? You want more money? And he says, he's just throwing wads of hundreds at me and they go, and here you go here. Just take all the money. Just, just take it all. Just whatever you want. Just, just take it all. <laughs> he was like, and of course, as a college kid and they're $100 bills, I'm picking up everything I can. Get. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he was, from what I understand, he was taken first overall in the 84 draft, or he's supposed to be. He was, spo- he was supposed to be. It actually, Bengals traded out to the Patriots. Right. I think this is like the first time the first overall pick has pretty much changed hands three times. Yeah. Well, Tampa, yeah. Tampa had it. They traded to Cincinnati and then Cincinnati or no, it was the other way around. No, Tampa had it. Okay. Then it was traded to Cincinnati. Okay. And then they traded then, it to New England. Then they traded to New England. Okay. I got it now. Uh, they were, they, you know, the, they were going to draft him. Uh, they were going to draft him, but it, obviously he didn't get taken right. He was first overall in the supplemental draft, was it? Yeah, when they after the USFL was over. Okay, that's that's what it was. But uh, yeah, they expected him to go to Cincinnati. All right, they just uh, three years prior had went to the Super Bowl, fell to Joe Montana, 
And uh, yeah, they thought they were going to get Cincinnati. That that everybody thought that Cincinnati was going to go grab their successor, but Ken Anderson was still doing all right. And they're going to have Young sit behind him and maybe take over. Uh, but Young didn't like that. He's a guy who wanted to play now. It's obvious. I mean, this is this. It's literally the story of his entire career. Is I want to play now, whether you know college, this USFL decision, eventually with the 49ers, it's, it's always been one of those things. Um, and uh, yeah, the express GM that's, you know, it was like, Hey, John Hadle will be your coach. He's going to be your head coach who John Hadle. We've talked, we've mentioned him in episodes. We've never done an episode on him, but we've done, we have mentioned him for, I mean, just an absolute legendary quarterback. And uh he helped out John Elway in his early beginnings of the National Football League. I think we've done John Hadle. We talked about the John Hadle trade. Yeah, I don't know if we've done an episode specifically on him. Yeah, but I know we've done the John Hadle trade. So yeah, but Hadle, you know, Hadle's great, and I mean, man, that's that's enticing as heck. Why would why wouldn't you want to be partnered up with that rather than? like a Tampa Bay who's, you know, a Tampa Bay or Cincy or, you know, Patriots at the time, I want to be groomed. So I, you know, I know what I'm doing instead of going to one of these teams that are drafting high because they're not well, uh, they're not good. And, you know, kind of going from there, it's, I understand it. And uh, it didn't take much swaying. Young was convinced and he went to the USFL, but uh, this is one of the biggest signings. Um, this was one of the biggest. The USFL made some pretty big moves here very early on in their in their you know in their tenure. You know, first you have well you have the runner up in the Heisman Trophy award, and then you have the Heisman Trophy award winner when Mike Rozier um, ends up going there, and they had Herschel Walker, so they started to get names. Kelly, and Kelly, of course. Don't want to forget White. about Kelly. There's a lot of good names. There's, I think. We counted. There was almost. I think there was over a thousand. Like yeah, over, just, th- there was over a thousand uh, people and if, like, people that played in the National Football League that played in the USFL as well, whether prior to or after. Yeah, because they were also were signing guys from from the NFL. Like they signed Brian Snipe and Gary Barbaro also. So it was we're gonna throw money around to compete with the NFL and. Pretty much like we said last time, if the USFL wasn't coming around, these guys in the NFL would not be getting paid like they are now. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, but uh, but yeah, so he jumps, but he missed a couple games uh his rookie year. He took some college classes so he can graduate, but he did start the last 12 that season, and uh he did pretty dang good. He was the first pro football player ever to pass for 300 yards and rush for hundred yards in a single game, which is uh really, really cool. And he, was, he had some pretty solid talent around him, but uh, the express, the, the issue was the express never really, you know, it was able to get, gain a foothold in, in LA, which that's an issue that's ongoing today. The chargers, uh, the Rams, it, it's, it's Where's LA is not a good football city <laughs> at all. <laughs> it, it really isn't. It's basketball. It's the, the Lakers, the Clipper. It's a basketball. Oh, and then yeah, yeah the, the college it, it's a, it's, that's what it is. Did you got to That's when the Lakers, that was the showtime Lakers, right? 
you don't care about football, especially a junior league football. I mean, not junior league, but you know what I mean? Not the NFL football at that time. And I mean, there's been so many teams that have come in, come and gone of, of Los Angeles and, and failed, you know, it's, it's one of those very tough markets, but uh, he was also in the greatest game that was never saw. That is true. Him and Jim Kelly. Yep. Put it up. I think I don't know exactly the complete numbers. You can watch a very, very like rough. I mean, it is rough uh, game footage of it. And the, the announcer, you could tell, just kind of was like, I'm going to talk over this. Yeah. But it, it was it was bad. Yeah, uh, but it was on air. That was a big thing. It was it was not on TV. It's just one of those just bad, you know, just a, one bad decision after another with the USFL. But uh, and that wasn't the 84 season, correct? Or was it 85? It was 85. So this was like the last year and. ABC just didn't air it. Kelly threw Kelly yeah, through February, five, February 24th, 1985. I got Kelly, it. Kelly threw for 574 yards and five touchdowns. And I think pretty much Steve Young did the same. Yeah, I'm trying to find the stats here, but um, it's, it's, I mean, a game like that would have certainly help the usfl out i think let's say yeah wow yeah 574 usfl he was the 84 usfl mvp 40 uh, that year on 84 he was um yeah 34-33 game express was leading 33 to 13 with under 10 just under 10 minutes left oh god it I tried watching it a couple of years ago because I was like, I just need to see this. And it's just so rough. The footage is just so rough. It's like watching if Steve Young's dad or Jim Kelly's dad was in the stands with a camcorder. Right. And then some guy needed for his broadcasting degree needed to, you know, show that he could actually put his broadcasting knowledge to work to talk over it. Not as bad as the boom goes, the dynamite guy, but it, it, it's not good. It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> which is, which is shameful, but that, you know, a game like that, that's, that's why a 49ers bills, uh, you know, Super Bowl was so desired between Kelly and, and, and young. That's it's, it's one of the greatest, like what if Super Bowl, you know, what if Super Bowls of all time is is those two facing off the the Bills and 49ers with Steve Young under center or Montana, of course, too, but mostly with Kelly and Young going head to head. That is uh, definitely one of the most desirable. What if Super Bowls of all time? I remember seeing a kid at Darien Lake or not Darien Lake Fantasy Island, and I think it like ninety one or ninety two, and he had the Super Bowl. I don't know where or how he got it. Super Bowl 25, Kelly versus Montana. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is the most amazing shirt I ever had, like ever seen. That's just really to see cool. that. But they did, I mean, they did have a lot of great stuff without going in there. I remember, I think it was 92, maybe 91 or 92. They did have that game where him, the Bills and uh, Bills faced the 49ers and there was no punts. Right. 
Yeah. I think we might have covered that, I think, for our draft game. Maybe. It was a really low-scoring game. I, don't, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly what it was. Maybe maybe that wasn't it. But uh, anyways, but yeah, 85, the, 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 his team was falling apart. It was just not good. The, the owner was a lot. He was really, really broke. And uh, yeah, just not doing well for himself. And it got so bad at one point that they're, uh, they're, it, <laughs> in their final home game, which got moved to another, like a college stadium. <laughs> um, the driver would not tra- take the team unless he was paid upfront in cash. <laughs> so it was a disaster, but young, you know, was making the big bucks and he's like, here, here's some money. And they took him to the game and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was bad. Uh, in their final game in, at Orlando, Steve Young actually had a lineup at tailback because the team was so hurt and the owners did not want to spend money on new players. So, so stuff like that is why the USFL didn't last very long. The first time, the first time too quick, too big, too quick. And this guy was obviously not a great owner by any means, but I don't think any of these guys were. From what I understand, there's maybe like one really good owner that spent his money wisely. Yeah. But, uh, but all right. But that's, I mean, that was the end of it. Yeah. It folded in 1986 and they lost an antitrust lawsuit against the National Football League and the NFL just took everybody and had their own USFL draft, essentially, um, to kind of absorb those players properly. So, uh, Tampa was, uh, yeah, Tampa was the one who ended up picking up Steve Young. They, uh, you know, Young was trying to, he's like, okay, if you guys don't, well, first of all, he just before the last USFL title, he was like, USFL, you guys got to have, you know, find a new owner or allow him to buy his contract out and go to the NFL because it was, it was just bad. But uh, Tampa was actually the one who picked him up in the supplemental draft. It was of USFL and CFL players, and uh, the Bucks were a hot mess. They were twelve. They were in the middle of twelve consecutive ten loss seasons, and uh, it was just there was no end in sight for their misery. And Young was not very uh, desirable at that point. He just he wasn't. I don't know if it wasn't adapting to the NFL. But he was not was, doing well in Tampa Bay. I think it was the Bucks. I'm thinking and, it was the Bucks as well. Yeah, and this is where. Uh, oh, so a year later in '86, that's when Bo Jackson was drafted number one overall, and was like, "Yeah, I'm not even gonna go play for you" because they kind of screwed him. So the Bucks were definitely had a terrible, terrible name, right, to them. And another thing that he complained about was. He played an away game in uh, in Green Bay during a snowstorm. And he was like, and we were wearing all white uniforms in the snowstorm. And I could not see anybody. He was like, I hated the uniforms. They're just all white. And I just couldn't deal with it. I couldn't see anything. Nothing was going on. So he was, it was, it was a bad situation for a young quarterback, as always, when it, you talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back then <laughs> yeah yeah it, it wasn't good right they had maybe like one good season prior to that like they, well i know the first two years they were they were pretty much winless and 
they had like a 26 game winless streak. It was just, yeah. And it, obviously things hadn't gotten much better into the eighties. So, but, uh, but yeah, so 1987 NFL draft rolls around and they're like, yeah, uh, the Steve young guy, he's not really padded out the way that we had hoped. Let's go draft Finney Testaverde. And they did. And, you know, there's a whole fun story that we've talked about with the Bill Walsh episode where Bill Walsh convinced uh, Steve Young, uh, amongst others, to come to San Francisco. So they made the trade officially on April 24th, 1987. What's not often talked about, though, the, the whole deal, the whole conversation between Bill Walsh and Steve Young was that Steve Young was expecting to start and that was not the case. What ended up happening is uh, this is to put pressure on Montana to either be better or be gone. And Steve Young would be their successor. And it ended up creating one of the, it, it, you know, they got two Super Bowls out of this run, I think. Yeah. They got two Super Bowls out of this run. Uh, uh, this, this back, this back portion of Joe Montana's career. And uh, so it, it, it turned out relatively well. I think for them, but uh, it was a, it was an ugly little QB controversy for a little while. They talked about with Montana and going to the 49ers is the first time where he actually had to be patient. Everything else he was, you know, from the time they became the starter at Brigham young, he was going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, move fast, you know, just keep on going, keep on going. And this is the first time where things kind of slowed down. He had to be patient. And he did talk about him in Montana not having a whole lot of crosswords or anything like that. They knew what they were there for. Right. Montana knew why Young was there. And Young knew why he was there. And Young actually tells a story that this is before he was married. He had no family. Montana invited him to his house for Christmas dinner. Hmm. And his son looked at Steve Young and was like, isn't this the guy that you're supposed to hate? <laughs> <laughs> but it it was kind of one of those it, i think a lot of people from what i don't know him and montana don't really talk too much about it so and when they do it they don't make it a sound so i don't know if it is as pumped up as we want it to be well the media out. blows everything out of proportion yeah, so that knockout drag out young hates montana montana hates young this guy's there but Ultimately, he summed it up the best way to look at it. Young was there as, no pun intended, the young guy to replace the old, to replace what at that point Walsh kind of thought was the old legend. He, Him and Belichick have the same thing. It's better to get rid of you two years before or two years too early than a year too late. Right. So that was kind of the philosophy and bringing in young. And like you said, also the pushing and saying, Hey, Joe, we got this guy and every, and everything else. So I would love to see a dramatized like version, <laughs> just a little bit of it. I'm just sure the, Hollywood will pick it up at some point. That'd be crazy. <laughs> just exploit it, make it not as real as it actually would just over dramatize, dramatize it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so he did. He was Montana's backup between '87 and '90, and uh, he did pretty well in some of his showings. Uh, you know, Montana would get hurt. This is an injury thing that you know deal that played plagued Montana in that back half of his career. 
And uh, Steve Young would come in. He, you know, he threw four touchdowns against the the Bears in '87, which is like massive. There's the Bears are still a good team. The, the '85 Bears are mostly intact at this point. They go up 41 nothing, over, over, over San Francisco goes 41 nothing up over Chicago. Um, and, you know, they he filled in sparingly. All right, when he needed to be, Joe Montana was still the guy, but Young was ready, and that was what made him such a great backup. And yeah, he did pretty well, but 1991, it was kind of, uh, it was, it was starting to really become his, it was 1991. It became Steve Young's show. Montana messed up his elbow in the 1990 NFC championship game. I think was it LT or no, somebody else under Leonard Marshall, Leonard Marshall. Uh, he got Montana from like behind. It was a really close game for the NFC championship and hurt Montana. And he was out for the entire 91 season because of that. And uh, Steve Young ended up being the guy. Um, he ended up being the – he had to carry the team. Montana was his backup at this point. And, you know, they it was a rough year for them too. The, you know, four and four record. Young got hurt. Steve Bono had to come in. And, yeah, it was a muddled, muddled mess. Bono, like, led the team to five straight victories. And they're like, okay, we're going to keep him at, in the starting lineup. Is just a whole mess of stuff, but uh, but young he finished up the season, he finished up really strong, and uh, yeah, they yeah, not bad. He had the NFL's best passer rating 101.8 that year in '91, and uh, yeah, not bad, not bad. They finished 10 and 6 in '91, but uh, not they did not qualify for the playoffs, it was their first time in uh, in a long time at least since 1982 that they had missed. So, uh, but 92 comes around and uh, first league MVP, uh, first of two, it was, you know, going into it, they're like, uh-oh, you know, it, here's another, not so much a quarterback controversy, but it, Young's job wasn't like there. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't quite there. 90, you know, 92, he's still battling with Steve Bono and uh, Montana's kind of getting, you know, healthier, but uh, that injury really, really messed him up for two years, huh? I didn't realize how serious that Montana injury was. Yeah. He also had that. Uh, he, he, I think he also has a small case of spinal stenosis also Montana that okay. he's had to deal with. That was one of the reasons why they brought in young as well. Like, like we, like you said about Walsh having that meeting, one of the things yeah. Walsh said was the guy's already had two back surgeries. How much longer do you think he's going to last? Right. Right. But yeah. Now here's that game. There is a game. 92 was that yep. game uh, that we did. We, we were mentioning uh, they played Buffalo. They lost 34, 31. And that was a really hyped up, you know, potential Super Bowl. Steve Young threw for 449 passing yards and three touchdowns in that game. And that's the zero punt game. But uh they finished strong. They finished uh 14 and two, but they lost the NFC championship game against the uh Dallas Cowboys. So the rivalry is back on between the Niners and the Cowboys. And uh yeah, disappointing ending, but you know it it would get better. You know, they go through 93, 93 is good. In 94, he gets second MVP, and he go on a, their Super Bowl run, which was uh, 
know, highlight they beat the San Diego Chargers 49 to 26. So we get a West Coast Super Bowl. And yeah, he finished up finishing uh, league MVP. So pretty, uh, pretty spectacular that, that 1994 season. But after that, you know, they get bounced. Uh, you know, they they got bounced around out by like Green Bake. You know, him and Brett Favre going at it, uh, QB versus QB. But yeah, yo, shoot, he bounced him three years straight. <laughs> okay, pardon me. Yeah, Favre and the Packers bounced the, the 49ers three years straight after that. And uh, yeah, they never kind of quite got back to it. But um, but yeah. Yeah, an all right finish to his career. He uh 1999, he was he said that the concussions had gotten to him and uh he just he just can't he just can't do it. He got sacked pretty rough by Aeneas Williams uh from the Cardinals, and uh yeah, somebody missed their block and it was just bad. So he's like, I'm done, I've had enough. Uh they actually interestingly, Denver offered him the starting quarterback job following that. Um, 49ers told him that they were going to release him if he did not retire. And, uh, yeah, young was off for the starting, which is crazy to think, right? Like, thanks for everything. <laughs> we're, did it to rice. They did it to rice. Yeah. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, Denver was ready to scoop him up as their QB one. So that'd be an interesting. That's a, what if. that's a, what that's if. a, what if. <laughs> I, don't I love know doing you. the NFL history because we need to do these. And then it just feels the what if does. the what if shows throughout. That's why we do what ifs on Mondays because we do the NFL history on Friday. So it helps fuels to the next over the weekend and we get to think about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was it for Steve Young's, you know, playing career. He finished uh, pretty dang good. So uh, NFL records he currently holds. He has the 10th highest career. Uh, passer rating including active players at 96.8 um most, most touchdowns in one super bowl most, most touchdown passes in one super bowl he's got six um most touchdown passes in a playoff game six he's tied with daryl lamonica and tom brady uh he has all sorts of like insane records like and this is why he's considered an all-time an all-time great. He has a lot of 49ers records, highest completion percentage, most average yards per attempt, most touchdown passes in a season. He still has those records, which is uh, pretty, you know, pretty cool. Best best completion percentage in a season. It's crazy that they haven't really figured out their quarterback situation long-term since then. But he also was supposed to have Brett Favre's role and there's something about Mary, but yep. he turned it down. He did. That's that's the crazy thing. And he's also a lawyer, not a practicing lawyer. He's never passed the bar, but he did graduate from law school. He did. He did. He got a, 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 jur, a juris doctor, a JD from J. Rubin Clark Law School. So um, he tried into acting, tried, went into philanthropy, but uh but yeah, he's doing he's doing great in his life. He has two sons, two daughters, been married to his wife Barbara since uh, 2000, and uh, and yeah, so what a career for Mr. Steve Young that he is, uh, you know, paved and just what a great name, what a great name, what a fun player. I love watching old games on YouTube. We've talked about that several times. 
And uh, there's a really neat one between him and Manning. I think it's 98, 98 or 99, whichever his last year was. And uh, yeah, they went toe to toe and it was, a, it was a really amazing game. 49ers ended up winning it, but it was just, uh, it was really cool to see, you know, those two, one hall, you know, two at that time, future hall of famers going at it. Because there's also the big Viking run game one that Burger King took over. <laughs> yes, yes, there is that one too. There is that one too. But um, but yeah, that's Steve Young, everybody. That's Steve Young, the Steve Young episode in a nutshell. Uh, Andrew, who do we got next week? I'd like to do Hall of Famers. Sam Mills. Sam Mills? Played middle linebacker for the Saints and the Panthers. All right. Sam Mills. Sam Mills it is. That's who we're talking about. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hope you enjoy your weekend. And I will talk to you Monday for another uh, another What If episode. Uh, on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is good.